This is Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite conversation movie news podcast with your hosts, Josh. Is that really funny or is that just kind of sad? I, I don't know. And Willis. Frasier and Cheers, my go-to half-hour comedies because I am, in fact, in my 50s. Join us each week as we break down the latest movie news, TV news, and general industry news and debate about what it all really means. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Pixel Splitters. We got a, a good show coming for you. Potentially, yeah. I guess we we don't have we don't map these out that much. True, this could be a you know, nightmare. this could be terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got a couple things we're going to talk about today. Um, first off, being She Hulk, which has yeah. finished its run on uh, Disney Plus, yes. and is a different angle than a lot of Marvel stuff. So we're gonna we're gonna get into some very spoilery reviews for sure. Um, so fair warning now at the top, um, if you haven't finished She-Hulk yet, do that first. Yes, yes. Um, we're also going to talk about Black Adam, yes. uh, which is the new, I guess, tentpole movie of the DCU this year. I guess the only um, one. Yeah. So that's coming out this Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> there's some some. I don't know. I don't know why I'm like foreshadowing this. It was almost rated R. Yes. Uh, which is interesting. Very. Um, and we're also going to talk about box office numbers. You know, we use box office numbers hugely. Yeah. As a metric of success, failure, quality, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and we're going to examine kind of what that really looks like. Yeah. And, and if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Right. And why we do that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so lots of stuff coming. Josh, you want to, uh, bring us to the weekly releases first? Yes, I definitely do. Um, and as you just mentioned in theaters, Black Adam is here, ladies and gentlemen. I know everybody has been waiting with bated breath to see The Rock enter the DC universe. Um, I'm actually looking forward to this movie. I, I am too. It, like, the more I see, the more I'm like, ah, it kind of looks kind of sweet. It's interesting. <laughs> I feel like they're just releasing clips from the same scene definitely like i feel like i haven't seen anything outside of that fight and i would bet money that that fight happens in the first 10 minutes first 10 minutes maybe first five yeah 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 um so um, we'll see what actually goes on in this movie exactly but i mean directed by yom colette sarah who is a very odd choice for this movie uh but i think is a good sense of them choosing filmmakers with distinct style and talent so yeah. We'll see how that goes. Uh, we also have Ticket to Paradise, which I didn't realize was coming out. It's a it's a, um, a Julia Roberts George Clooney vehicle. Yeah, which you know, we kind of need more of these, especially in theaters. Like, let's go, man! I'm down. Yeah, it's been a while. These two together, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been always, a long time. You know, um, and from what I gather, it's just gonna be like a you know rom com ish kind yeah, of thing. Your classic, uh, yeah. yeah. Which I'm glad we're getting back to form. It's been. Like, we always talk about comedies, rom-coms, they don't really get made, and if they do, they go straight to streaming, so I'm very curious to see the box office yeah. on this, even though, you know, we're going to talk about why we might not want to talk about that kind of yeah. stuff, so. Well, and also, I feel like there's an asterisk on that, just because it's George Clooney and Julia Roberts. True. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's it for theatrical, for streaming. Not too much going on, although I do have to mention for movies... The School for Good and Evil is premiering tomorrow on Netflix. Paul Feig. Yeah. Which, you know, he's... I, I can't believe he's directing this movie, but I can't even believe this is a movie. I thought this was a show, to be honest, so... <laughs> but here it is. Is it not a show? Whoa. No, it's a movie. Really? I was positive it was a show. So was I. But... <laughs> No. <laughs> well, there's a whole conversation we could have of the streaming. Is it just like this feels like a show? This I yeah. mean, maybe we're just associating it with like you know lock and key and the magicians and like there's the so magicians many and all of those yeah similar kind of interesting yeah. Um, but I gotta go back for one second because I'm just reading Yom Colette Sarah's IMDb. Mm -hmm. Black Adam is now. Before that was Jungle Cruise. Before that was The Commuter, starring Liam Neeson. Before that was The Shallows, starring um, Blake Lively. 
before that was Orphan. And I'm like, oh, this guy is my hero right here. <laughs> <laughs> so just had to say that. Really spreading his talents all over the yeah. place. Um, for shows, for streaming, we do have a couple <laughs> things coming. American Horror Story NYC, which I'm like, I just, how? Is this the third season of American Horror Story this year? I guess. It's coming to FX and Hulu on tomorrow. So Wild. if anyone's still watching this show, please DM me and tell me why. Um, yeah. <laughs> We also have Inside Amy Schumer coming back on October 20th on Paramount Plus. The Peripheral, which is something that you brought to my attention, which is the Chloe Grace mm-hmm. Moretz show coming to Prime on the 21st. And Chrissy's Court, which I believe is Chrissy Teigen's show coming to Roku. Sure. <laughs> on October 21st as well. So a lot of random stuff coming out this week. It's interesting because if you had, like in the same vein, if you had asked me, I would have said The Peripheral was going to be a movie. Me too. Mm-hmm. Weird, but I mean, it's the perfect Amazon Prime thing, though. Yes, like e- even yeah. without knowing, it's I would have called Prime. Yep. Yeah, but I like Chloe Grace Moretz, and she hasn't really been in much the last five years. So I'm, who knows? Yeah. I'll give it a shot. Um, so that's what's coming this week, guys. And let's get right into this here episode. Yes, let's do it. All right. Well, so let's start with She-Hulk. Let's do it. Where do we start with this? Um should we just give our thoughts on the the show as a whole? Like what we yeah. f- in relation to the rest of the MCU? How we felt? In, let's let's do it this way. Let's say our reaction to the show in relation to the rest of the MCU and then as a standalone. Yes. You go first. I'm curious. So, in relation to the rest of the MCU, well, especially to phase 4, yeah. I think this was pretty strong. I enjoyed this mm-hmm. show quite a bit week to week, although after watching it, it wasn't something that I thought about a lot. You know, it's not one of those shows yeah. where I'm like, oh, Loki, let's talk about this for hours. You had to unpack Loki, yeah. Exactly, which I think is the point. I think it was supposed to be an easy watch, not like let's tie all of this into the greater universe. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a courtroom procedural kind of for kids. And I'm like, that's yeah. kind of what we wanted it to be to be honest yeah. um as an overall show it did suffer a little bit from the mcuification of, of everything where on twitter every week people are well when's daredevil showing up well when is this yeah. showing up well when? and it's like and that got old pretty fast but it didn't bash you over the head with it it's like yeah abominations there but he plays like a role in the show that yeah. has nothing to do with anything else in the mcu which is great yeah. So I was pleasantly surprised with She-Hulk. Um, Tatiana is amazing. I thought she was yeah. incredible. <laughs> the the abomination thing feels very like, well, we have this Hulk and like this outstanding character from a Hulk movie. So maybe we could do, like it didn't have to be any kind of big like and then abomination is going to lead like blah, blah, blah. But exactly. And even the Daredevil tie ins were pretty minor. Like he's in yeah. an episode, but like. They're not like, oh, let's go for, you know, there's none of the like yeah. extra MCU talk. So, so that's, yeah. that's my feeling. What about you? I, so I really enjoyed this. Um, I thought it was like a lot of what you're saying, lighthearted, um, like easy to, to consume, you know, um, pretty funny, like really funny, pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> like actually like well-written and, you know, um, not too big. Like there was no huge stakes to it, which is cool. I never and will never get over the bad CG. It's tough. It's bad. I like, I, I want to like do the, you know, benefit of the doubt and stuff like that. But when I'm like, you know, it, there are times where it's like, she's going upstairs or something like that. And I'm like, it looks like they're like, not even sure where the stairs are. Like, yeah, I don't know if that's something that like, we blame on Marvel's like shitty treatment of their post houses. If it's something to do with the filmmakers and like a strain on having a main character, that's completely CG, Mm. you know, and like a misunderstanding on how to direct that or something, you know, yeah, not to, you know, but um, I just, that again and again took me out of it. Yes, Um, I do agree. And since she was, she Hulk for so much of it, it's yeah. You can't get around it really. Um, and, and then like you have it's Bruce, necessary. Yeah. who looks good, and you're like, 
okay. Yeah, or Abomination. Or Abomination, great. yeah. Yeah, like there is good CG in it. It's just like, it seems like, I don't know. I don't know. I can't place what it is, really. I feel like um, it was a rush job. I feel like it was like this is yeah. the the Disney schedule. We got to make this. And because, again, we know they can do good work. I don't know what house worked on this. I don't think it was Weta Digital who did like a lot of the Hulk stuff. So yeah. who knows? Um, but it's also like a brand new character. Like they had Hulk since sure. 2012. Yeah. So um, but I agree. It was it's a little distracting. <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, in terms of like the the general tie-ins to the rest of the mcu i i do very much agree with you that like it made like the mcu fanboys even more annoying yeah because they're like like digging through every little frame for something i'm like i i don't think there's supposed to be anything here it's not there yeah you know what i mean like it's it's cheeky like you know hashtag wongers like yes you know that doesn't have to come into play anywhere else right like it, it that's just how it is so yeah, and even like to the casting where, like, someone casting like Jamila Jamil, who's very vocal and outspoken about a lot of these issues, was yeah. I feel like that was a very pointed casting where they're like, this will bring controversy and will bring the trolls. Yeah, but in in a way that like it, it just feels like they're self aware enough of what this show was supposed to be to well to and very much in that like a lot of the plot line seems to be like targeting that exact person yeah that exact kind of person of like yeah the people are going to tear this apart and be like this sucks this is stupid i say this of course two minutes after being like Bleh. um <laughs> but like yeah i'm i'm not one of them <laughs> just like one just of saying them. it makes work no but like um you know, the the fanboys that are freaking out because it's like, well, you know, all the controversy. Yeah. We don't need to go into it. But yeah, totally. It's like pointed at that to say, like, look at how stupid you guys look. Exactly. Um, which and, is cool. Right. And I think that that's a turn that has just recently happened with phase four where it's mm-hmm. become more self-aware. And we'll talk about the finale specifically in a second. But, you know, this happened in Multiverse of Madness. Spoilers for Multiverse of Madness. But we've already talked about it a couple of times. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, the entire Illuminati sequence is a troll sequence. Like, it's yeah. simply there to be like, oh, you wanted this? Well, you're not getting yeah. it. And I'm you like, got it. Now they're dead. And that's hilarious to me. Um, yeah. And this was even more in that direction where it's just like, oh, you want these things? Well, I mean, you're going to get them, but not in the way that you really want. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting tactic. And I think that I don't know that it's the right move specifically for Marvel, but they're definitely getting way more self-aware about the place that they hold yeah. in society and culture, which is kind yeah. of interesting, um, which leads right into the finale, I think. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I guess we haven't done any major spoilers that weren't part of the advertising at this point, but this no. will be. Yeah. Here's your actual major spoiler moment. Um, yeah. We need a little spoiler. A little jingle. Or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in the last 10 minutes of the final episode, She-Hulk climbs through the Disney Plus menu um, and into a Avengers Assembled tile yes uh and goes and talks with the robot kevin feige not voiced by kevin feige i was like um i was like was, is he gonna be in this he was very against it yeah so very meta is it too meta is it too knowing because i i watching this i was laughing and then i was just like is this are they getting way to is the it has the machine become too aware basically to where yeah. it's not really a joke you know because yeah. it's a joke if you're saying it about yourself it's it's odd to me it's just yeah. odd because like self-deprecating exactly yeah. which can work but i don't think kevin feige is that kind of guy really and i don't think mm. marvel studio like they've come off as such like a like almost like taskmaster Esque, like we're gonna yeah. do this conveyor belt here we go them switching Endless it. attention to detail yeah exactly them swapping it for this kind of like oh ha 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 look how ridiculous right after like oh poor treatment of vfx houses and this and that. it's like but are you self-aware or are you just leaning into the skid now of being like 
oh yeah, you know, we are kind of terrible and we are kind of like, oh, we didn't have the budget for the rest of your show to be VFX. So we're going to, I'm like, is that really funny or is that just kind of sad? I I don't know. know. Well, the answer to that question is, depends on where this idea came from. Yes. If this was Kevin Feige being like, you know, see, I don't even know like what this would come from Kevin Feige as of like, yeah. Which leads me to think that it's more something that the writers brought to him. Right. And he like signed off on. Sure. And I think I like I liked it like if for yeah. no other reason than it felt like a uh, I don't know. I laughed at the um, oh, it's too much money for you to be CG. Yeah. Go back to your other person. Yeah. Off screen. Yeah. I don't know. I like that insider stuff. I don't too far. I I don't think it would work on anything besides She-Hulk. Sure. Even like Deadpool, I feel like wouldn't, you know, Deadpool who also breaks the fourth wall, et cetera. Like, I don't think it would fit with him. Yeah. Either. What um, if he like killed Kevin Feige? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, you heard the rumor of, uh, Deadpool three is going to be Deadpool kills the Fox universe. Yeah. I'm excited for that concept. I don't think that's what it's going to be, but yeah, <laughs> that would be hilarious. So, yeah, I mean, to me, it felt like the end of a long conversation because it is, like we were saying, very meta about like, yeah, like these toxic trolls are kind of the antagonist in this whole thing. And, you know, it's more about her trying to just be like herself and like it's not all about i mean she looks to the camera and says like there's not going to be a cameo every week you yeah. know yeah so it felt like a natural progression to that right. but like as part of a storyline that's maybe not even a storyline but as part of the motif that's not even that pronounced through the whole thing True. you know what i mean yeah absolutely where it's like yeah abominations like just running a meditation retreat yeah in the woods um, yeah the guy from the wrecking crew with the glowing crowbar is just like not gonna do anything else wong's gonna just be playing watching um uh what was the show he was watching with with what's her name oh i don't remember i don't either that's yeah. the thing it's like i enjoyed the show yeah but i don't recall much about it afterwards you know yeah but like, and that's the thing is like you, you think of not necessarily like legal dramas, but like legal con you think of like Ally McBeal or yeah. oh, Ally McBeal's the only one yeah, I got off the top of my head. But like of. the things of like Frasier or Cheers or things like that, where sure. it's like half hour comedies. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> Frasier and Cheers, my go to half hour <laughs> comedies. Um because I Golden am in girls. fact in my fifties. Yeah. No, so um like I don't think it matters that you don't remember it that specifically. Like yeah. It's just coming away with it with a good feeling Um, and to try and tie it all together. Like that is a different goal than what most of the MCU has had. Yes. Your goal is if your goal is to be like, that was enjoyable and move on. Like that's not what MCU fans do. No, the goal, the goal for the MCU is like, oh, Kang is coming at the end of this. And what does that mean? More to the point there. Um, In the final, before it goes all meta, then there's like the final CG fight that's about to happen. Mm -hmm. There's like in the foreground, there's like a red arm or something. And everyone's like, it's Red Hulk. Red Hulk's being like established in the MCU. Like, here we go. And it's like, guy, like. Tone it down. Pump the brakes on all that. Like, you (laughs) know what I mean? That's not what this show is. Right. And that I think is the biggest thing that I appreciated about it. Where you're not yeah. digging through frames, and then I'm not going to Twitter after being like, "Well, what does that you know yeah. post credit scene mean?" Like there wasn't post credit scenes for most of these episodes, yeah. which was great. And the ones that were 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 throwaway, inconsequential. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's that's what I wanted this to be. Now, one more thing before we move on, but I wonder how this, how She-Hulk and Deadpool will fit into the MCU. I'm like, it's just. We're crossing like mediums of how storytelling is done where it's like they don't really fit in the same world, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, And I don't know. 
I mean, they even said like She-Hulk is not going to be coming to the big screen anytime soon. Yeah, you know, in that in that episode. So maybe that's their whole. Well, and like I can't even imagine like She-Hulk in like a big Avengers style kind of. You know what I mean? Like you think of the the final scene in Avengers Endgame. I'm like She-Hulk would just not fit in that. No, not at all. Entirely different. Which is, you know, kind of cool. Like, I don't yeah. feel the need to see her in a bunch of other stuff. Um, yeah, give her another season and keep doing case by case each week. And, yeah. like, that's fun. It, it's it's such a, it's a low-stakes show. And I've been yeah. waiting for that from Marvel. And I thought maybe Miss Marvel. And it's like, no, that's a very high-stakes show. And it's like, ugh, Moon Knight, yeah. very high stakes. Like, oh, my God. The world is yeah. ending every single time. And you're like, okay, this, none <laughs> yeah. of that. None of that at all. And it was really refreshing. So it was very much like we, we've said this about a bunch of these um, very much meant to be a show. Yeah. Like a lot of the Disney Plus things have been like, this probably should have been a movie. But yes. that no, that was very much meant to be a show and like can continue to be a show. Right. It's hard to imagine another season of um, like Hawkeye or Boon Knight or something like that. Right. Like what would be involved. But it's pretty easy to be like, yeah, I know exactly what another ep- another season of she hulk would be like yeah and it's fun it's a good time highly recommended guys people are trashing this saying like oh the mcu is like no come on come on now <laughs> yeah i keep seeing things that are like what uh marvel is gonna do to pick up the pieces after the failure of she hulk and i'm like i don't think it was not a failure yeah in any regard people watched it and loved it like what failure yeah. <laughs> um so I think we're getting season two. I hope so. So that'd be cool. I could keep, yeah, as long as they up the CG. True, true. Give them a little more time. Well, that's the thing. (laughs) I feel like you come back for season two and it's like, all right, here's all the things we learned in season one. Let's not do this again. We already have her photo scanned so we can really work on it now. (laughs) Well, and it's a whole thing because like a lot of it, I believe, was like a body double. Yes. And then there was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Nope, I got nothing for body double. And I Black know. Adam. I was thinking. I was like, there ah. should be something there. I'm like, <laughs> you know who doesn't have a body double? But, but I'm sure the Rock has does. a stunt man. Yeah, <laughs> his cousin is his body double. Um, I think. Yeah. Uh. Well, Black Adam. <laughs> Black Adam. <laughs> the hierarchy, the power dynamic. I don't even know what the fucking line is anymore. I don't know. Something is changing in the DC universe, and Black Adam is almost here, everybody. And the big news is. That Black Adam underwent, I think, four massive rounds of recuts before finally getting to its PG-13 rating because it was originally way too brutal to be PG-13, which makes sense because they pushed it back, like, I don't know how many times this year alone, so now we're finally getting it, and it makes sense. So they released a clip from that first fight that we were talking about, Mm -hmm. which is really cool like it looks good the effects are good it's it's he basically grabs that guy and like disintegrates him with lightning Mm -hmm. and you see his bones and everything i'm like that's pretty that's pretty cool yeah i felt like black adam was the perfect way to get into something a little darker and i felt like the dceu (laughs) make the dc universe darker but darker in a good way (laughs) you know not like the snyder verse where you're like everything's just dark like it's not really darker it's just you know high contrast but no they had to tone it back which kind of bums me out and i'm like would it have benefited from an r rating i mean obviously you've got the audience you know kids under the age of whatever can't go see it but i don't know deadpool man that movie's yeah. like the highest grossing r-rated film of all time it made like 700 million dollars and well, and you have Adam. things like Joker too. Like it's we're or, and Logan. Like we're in a place where R-rated superhero movies are not. Oh, they're uncommon, but they're not unheard of. Right, right. And well, and what I'll say is, you know, four rounds of edits to get to a PG-13 rating means that this is still going to be pretty brutal. Yeah, this is like just under the line. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it. Like I think that's fair to push for the pg-13 because yeah there is the built-in audience from what it sounds like i mean we know that black adam is not gonna just be like a one-off here here's the movie um i think this is gonna be a major player in the dcu 
moving forward. Because um, The Rock won't stop tweeting that like he's more powerful the than Rock. Superman. <laughs> How do you not love The Rock? It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, but it is really interesting. I mean, you know, you want to talk about pulling it back from a rated R. Like this eventually has to pair with Shazam. Yeah. Which is arguably the most like kid friendly of anything in the DCU. Um, yes, for sure. So like, you know, to have Zachary Levy and the rock, you know, going back and forth, like you gotta, you gotta have some kind of middle ground there. Um, it's true. It's true. But I think this is going to be really good, man. I, that's the thing. I don't know how we got to this point of black Adams about to be the best DC movie. But like, yeah, I mean, it may not. We, I've we've said that before. Who knows? The Batman was great, but like, yes. that's a whole different thing. But like, I, the more I see from this movie, and a lot of it's just tone, directing mm-hmm. style, and VFX that we've seen so far. I mean, The Rock yeah. is The Rock. I think he, he very clearly, we're going to know what we get from him. Yeah. But like, I am constantly shocked by how good this movie visually looks. Mm-hmm. It looks striking. It looks like a little bit different than, uh, definitely different than the Snyderverse, but different than Suicide Squad, different than yeah. Birds of Prey. You know, it, mm-hmm. it looks like it stands apart in a good way. Like Pierce Brosnan's character, like Dr. Fate, yeah. It looks amazing. Yeah. It looks amazing. And I'm like, yes, let's go. I don't like Noah Centineo, but. Even his, like, the Atom Smasher or whatever the hell, like, yeah. looks really cool, really good. And I don't know how we got to this point of, like, Black Adam is about to be, yeah, could be amazing. Well, it took a decade is what happened. It's but true, it's true. I feel like the visual style of this, like, is about to set the tone, like, is going to pull us away from the Snyder style and set the tone for what the visuals of the DCU proper should be. Yeah, yeah. You know, um... I mean, there is still Flashpoint coming and all that kind of stuff. Oh, Jesus. Um, but like, yeah, I, I feel like this is kind of a reset almost like built around one of the most bankable stars in the planet. Like for sure. Rock and roll, you know, do you think the rock can play a villain? You know, at the very beginning of this whole Black Adam nonsense, I was like, no. Absolutely not. I think we had a discussion yeah. on pod about it. And I'm like, I just don't see it. Yeah. Having seen enough of the trailers, I think he can do it. I think he's dedicated enough to this specific character yeah. that he is going to do what he needs to do. I mean, yeah. he's the reason the movie got made. Let's be honest. I mean, he yeah. brought this to them a decade ago and was like, I'm doing this. Well, and it was originally supposed to be part of... Fury of the God, Shazam, Fury of yeah. the Gods, and they're like, mm, no, we're doing our we're own doing movie. our own thing, which which um, also gives me a little bit of faith, um, because yeah. Warner Brothers is like desperate for good stuff, so. gonna gonna do what the Rock tells them, yeah. exactly. Um, so I think he can do it. What about you? I th- I think he can. I'm getting the same vibe as you off of this. Of like, this seems like he's gonna be really strong and really good on that. And then I, the reason I bring it up is because I keep trying to like think of like anything where i'm like the rock being dramatic and like menacing and i can't really hit anything i mean i think he's pushing himself for sure but i'm like like the best i can come up with is kind of um hobbs yeah from fast and furious where he's like serious and like imposing and like Mm -hmm. but he's you know still wisecracking it's still great because of the rock's charm Right, this is like... He doesn't get to use that in this. No. Like, by definition, this guy wouldn't be charming. Exactly. You know. Stoic um, and mean. Yeah. And, again, we haven't seen much of his real acting in these trailers, which I yeah. think is purposeful. We've seen him say a couple lines that seem that, that feel like they're going to go over well. Yeah. But, I don't know, I... I feel like it's not just the star power of the rock that's going to make this movie work because again, yeah. like it's, it's, it's pure anti-hero. I mean, it's villain into an anti-hero potentially. Like I don't know anything yeah. about black Adam, but it seems like that's the way it's going to go. I think he's, he's very much from what I understand. He's very much a character that is just like going to do what he's going to do. And like, you can either be fine with that or not. I could give a fuck. Right. You know? Um, yeah. So like, he's not always necessarily bad, but like, 
you know, there are times when he's going to align with what you want to do and times when he's not. And like, right. That's how we go. You got to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Now, for a movie like this, like anti-hero movies, the the R rating thing is the only thing that gives me pause because I'm like, they only, so far the most successful ones, like we the, all the ones we already mentioned, mm-hmm. have had to be rated R because of like character development, being like, this is what this person will actually do, you know? You know, this is how brutal yes. this person can actually be. And that's not uh, well, 100%, the, but like... Even, yeah, I have um, like Venom in in my mind, which is... Yeah. You know, Venom like in of itself, not like the best movie, you know? Yeah, did you um, see Let There Be Carnage? I did. So Also not the best movie. No, but that movie would have benefited from being rated R so hard. Carnage in that movie? Yes. Venom yeah. eating people? I'm like, they're... I don't think that would have saved that movie. Yeah. But Woody Harrelson's performance, like there's so much in there that I'm like, this is psychotic. Like give me more yeah. of the bad shit. And it just didn't get there because it had to be PG-13. Yeah. And I don't know, again, it might not have saved that film, but like we talk about Joker, we talk about Logan, Deadpool, the new James Gunn Suicide Squad, like those work because it's no holds barred. Like, Bad people don't have the sensor. The filter, yeah. You know, they don't have that like, oh, I'm not, you know, we got to tone it back here. It's like swearing, blood, violence, all of that stuff. Yeah. And that's what makes those things successful. So I don't know. I mean, the fact that, you, you know, you mentioned this has to go hand in hand with Shazam, which is like very tonally different is yeah. going to be an issue for another director. Um, but Well, and there's the big question, too, of is Superman in this movie? There's big rumors going around that this will be the big return of Henry Cavill's Superman, which like I'm hearing is like more plausible than things like this that we've heard in the past. Mm, okay. You know, um, but also like not confirmed in any capacity but sure. because it, like Black Adam is just like a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Superman is one of the few people that can actually put up a f- fair fight against him right right so i don't know we'll see I, yeah i don't know i'm like i don't know even what i want from this movie i don't either i want it to be fun and i feel like that's gonna be what it is yeah i assume you won't be seeing this in a theater i may i may go really I, superhero movies are usually a good bet to get me to the theater except thor Except Which, Thor, but good, like pretty good. Yeah, but <laughs> like I mean, I saw Multiverse of Madness in theaters. I saw No Way Home in theaters. Um, I saw Suicide Squad in theaters. Did you see the Batman in theaters? The Suicide Squad. No, I didn't see. The oh, Batman that's right. Theaters, that's right. Because it was like four hours long, and it came out on HBO like the same time. True. True. Um, <laughs> that'll be an interesting thing of when we see Black Adam on HBO Max. HBO. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to depend on how good it does. If this thing crushes, and that's the other thing, honestly, if Superman is in this, and they don't have any of that BS, like, oh, we, oh, there's a leak, and Andrew Garfield yeah. is like seen on set. Like, if they don't have that, this could be one of the stronger like second weekends ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Henry Cavill. Well, I mean, I, I, I said at the top, I'm like, there's so little of this movie that's been revealed in the trailers yeah. that I like, literally, like. Do we know how long it is? Two hours, Two hours and four. four. So it's okay. pretty normal. But like, yeah, I mean, we've probably seen tops 10 minutes of of footage from this. So like, yeah, there's a whole other movie out there that's not going to be these guys like fighting in this yeah. town square. Yeah. I'm obsessed with Pierce Brosnan's Dr. Fate. It looks it's so amazing. Good. It's amazing. I'm so glad he's in this movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. You know who's not excited for Black Adam? Martin, Martin Scorsese. Scorsese. <laughs> it's true. Oh God. And you know, I can't blame him. Nobody can say anything to Marty. It's true. Um, the man is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Of all time. Yeah. Undeniable. Undeniable. Same tier as like Hitchcock. Yep. Hitchcock, Kubrick, like he's Kubrick. up there yeah. for sure. Um, but he recently was at the New York Film Fest, which happened last week. And 
he had some choice words for the way that he always has some choice words, but he has some very <laughs> choice words about the obsession over box office numbers. Yeah. And not just for studios, because, you know, we, we, we know that studios like to make money and that's the main yeah. reason that they put out these movies, money or accolades, you know, one of the two. Yeah. Which also, are just a, you know, requisite to get more money. True. To get more money. Exactly. Um, but also now that the public is starting to view box office as an indicator of quality, because I think that that's been happening where... Well, I, mean, I don't think there's a starting to. Uh, I true, think that's well-established. It's well-established, but now more than ever, it's when, you know, not that many movies go to theaters yeah, and movies aren't necessarily making as much as they used to. Like, you never saw, oh, rom-com made... 50 million dollars this you know overall yeah. and it actually broke the budget and it's yeah it's always, you've got mail takes the box office for the third week in a row or whatever yeah exactly and even like movies that end up doing well and don't perform well on their first weekend they're like oh this it didn't actually happen but like barbarian like lands with a thud you know stuff yeah. like that that's like sure Maybe everyone had COVID that weekend. Like, you never know why yeah. people didn't go to see it. And it's frustrating because, especially for someone like him, who his whole career has struggled to get films made, which is yeah. insane. Someone who basically only puts out hits, you know? Yeah. He has a couple movies that fall short. But, like, dude, if you make The Departed, Goodfellas, Casino, The Wolf of Wall Street, like, Raging Bull, like, you just come on. You can do whatever the hell you want to, you know? It's true. Yeah, like, it's tough to say, like, are box office numbers an indicator of quality? I think, I think that really breaks down to, like, you have to be sure to make the separation between the art side of cinema and the, like, business side of cinema. Yeah. Because if you take away, like, the art and the quality and all that kind of stuff, like, box office performance and I'll say this with an asterisk is like the indicator of success. Sure. You know what I mean? Like a successful movie, when you're looking just at the business side of something, it doesn't matter if it is good or not. You know what I mean? Like if right. space jam two is going to make money, we're going to make space jam two. Like, right. and that's part of why I think fan service is so, you know, it's like to get, to get the dollars, to get the bills. Um, when you put, the cinema like the filmmaking side of it in there it's almost the complete opposite yeah like studios pushing for fan servicey stuff can like cause issue in a, a filmmaker's style and mm -hmm. you know delivery and etc that just like can bomb the movie and end up with space jam 2 mm -hmm. i don't know why space jam 2 has become my go-to but like it's the epitome of, it was of clearly made soulless for ip yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's like one of those things I'm like, yeah, like, of course, Martin Scorsese says that, that like box office shouldn't matter. Sure. Yeah. But that's because his entire world is about quality filmmaking. Right. And I'm not saying necessarily that I disagree with that. Like, I think it's yeah. totally true. Um, we do put way too much emphasis on box office. But it's the only reason the film industry exists. Well, and it's the only real metric we've had for the longest time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to boil something down to a number, that's your best bet. Yeah. Butts and seats. Yeah. Like, word of mouth, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, whatever you have, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down, good metrics, but nothing has the impact of saying made $100 million. Right. And I don't think that's ever going to really... Change well. I mean, I guess it is changing now because we have so much streaming content. Yeah, that like that metric is not universal anymore. Yeah, but I don't know, man. I'm like, there's you got to pay attention to the two different sides of the coin, like that are just never gonna be facing up at the same time. For sure. Yeah. Which is yeah. A cool little metaphor I just came up with. I like, I like that. that. That was nice. That was yeah. nice. I mean, the only way that this would change is if they met at an intersection of quality and making money, which yeah. I just don't think, and this might have something to do with Disney, pumping out stuff that's just 
not just for profit, but a lot of it is is based on like, oh, you know, this made a billion dollars. Like, well, they have a formula that works, right? But then, yeah. but but you see, you know, it's a good. Let me look up the box office for. Um, hold on, perfect example. So, Solo, a Star Wars story, the mm-hmm. Han Solo movie, mm-hmm. made four hundred million dollars. Now, granted, the budget was between two hundred and three hundred million dollars. Yeah. But four hundred million dollars was enough of a flop for them to be like, "We're never doing this again." Yeah, like there will be no more Rogue One. There will be no more Solo. And there will be a Boba Fett movie. Like that's why all that stuff went to stream. Yeah. And that I think is detrimental. Where it's like there is, like that wasn't a, that was a failure, quote unquote. Like it, not really, you know, it was, but it wasn't. It was yeah. like, yeah, people didn't love the film and it wasn't overly successful, but even like Eternals, like, oh, Eternals only made $600 million. Like what? <laughs> yeah. On. It's like, d- well, it's an interesting thing. So like if you consider, so we'll say right now, Disney has its A plus B equals C formula. Yeah. You know, that they're like, that's like, yep, we pump an Avengers down that line. It's good. We pump. You know, like they can follow that and it will just like work. Yeah. But like they have to assume that it's not going to always work because it's pop culture, pop culture changes, like, et cetera. Yeah. So they have to iterate around to it. So like, you know, if they if you take solo as an example of like, all right, well, this is like a plus B plus, you know, one half D equals C or something. I'm getting convoluted here. Like. (laughs) And then that, like, checks the box of profitable, but didn't improve what the original formula was. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason for them to do that again. They're like, okay, well, like, yeah, but, like, didn't make it better. Sure. So we'll just, like, disregard that and we'll try, you know, A plus B plus E equals, you know, does that equal C kind of thing. And, like, variate on that. Um, sure. So <laughs> a really convoluted way of saying like, <laughs> yeah, like the, the stuff that they try doesn't always get rewarded. Um, which is why we see less and less, especially these days, because that formula has gotten so specific that it's like, you know, you can say like, it, that's the argument of like, yeah, every first Marvel character movie, they fight a version of themselves. You know, like Iron Man fighting. God, it's been so long since I've watched Iron Man. Iron. Obadiah. Obadiah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then you get to Hulk versus Abomination, and you Mm -hmm. get to Captain America versus Red Skull. You get to- Black um, Panther versus Killmonger. Thor versus Loki. Yeah, like it's, you know, it that check, that works, you know. Yep. I never really thought about that like that. Hmm. Yeah. So, but it's like, and, but now it's like they're getting called out on it when it's like very much- I mean, yeah. She-Hulk was almost meta about it. It's like, this is really what you want? Just like a bunch of Hulks fighting each other? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it's like the, you know, the conversation is changing around, is that going to continue to work? Right. Um, so they're trying variations on it to see what is going to replace that formula. Right. That made my brain hurt, and I'm the one who said <laughs> it. Like, yeah. So that's all the business side of it, and it's like. Yeah. If you're trying to, if you are a filmmaker and you're trying to make a film, someone coming and saying, okay, but like to make money, A plus B equals C. Yeah. Can be stifling. Sure. Whereas, you know, if you're a filmmaker and you're not tied to something like that and you just want to be like, you know what? I'm going to not even use letters in my formula. Yeah. Then they're like, well, I, we don't know if that's going to. Yeah. You know, and then and you'll get the same kind of thing from the box office goers maybe who are like, I don't know how I feel about that. Right. Yeah. It's true. Like throwing out the rule book a little bit. Um, it, it's really interesting because while I do agree with Scorsese in this regard to bring it back, I also think that there's an increase in people having interest or, or like gaining interest in quality filmmaking. Because some of the movies, and we've talked about this before, but especially right now coming into Oscar season, a lot of movies that I wouldn't think would do well in the box office 
are slated to potentially do well in the box office. And I really, I'm, I'm curious mm-hmm. about Tar. I'm curious about Bones and All. I'm, cl- mm-hmm. I'm curious about a lot of different films that are very much not what people are used to seeing and seeing yeah. how those do. Even the menu, like stuff like that, where it's like, it's it's high concept, but it's not something that people are like, oh, I, I know I know what's happening here, you know? Yeah. So in one regard, yes, it is about, you know, to bring it back to the box office, like a lot of the big studios are concerned with that. But then you also have studios like A24, like distributors who are like, I don't really care. Like, you know, men yeah. made $10 million or $20 million, and that's totally fine for us because it, you know, and they marketed the crap out of men. Yeah. I saw that trailer so many times before yeah. it came out. Everything everywhere as well, and obviously that was an anomaly. But I think people are getting fed up with that. With the, not that, but the the Hollywoodification of a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And even when I went to see Don't Worry Darling, I'm like, I'm really happy that this many people are here to see a movie yeah. this ridiculous and high concept. That's not just like CG fest or, or like a something that you think would be yeah. universally appealing. You well, know? it's almost becoming like two separate things. It's like we're using the same box office metric to look at two different tiers of yeah. thing. And like to bring it back to Martin Scorsese is like, yeah, like a lot of these huge tentpole things like Endgame, like, you know, Black Adam, whatnot are meant to make 400, 510, you know, a million yeah. billion dollars. Yeah. Whereas like, so it's like there's this upper echelon of like, yeah, here's just the ones that are always going to make a billion dollars or always going to make hundreds of millions. Right. But like you take those out of the equation and then you're like, all right, show me the metric where a hundred million dollars is like the equivalent of hitting a billion dollars. Right. You know what I mean? And that's a whole, and that's where we're seeing all this crazy growth of yeah. like, oh yeah, like this movie, if it makes a hundred million dollars is like amazing and that's a huge win for uh you know for the the studios and whatnot it's true and i'm just gonna look up nope right now and see how much it's made so far 170 million dollars yeah and that's all it made not all and that's awesome but that's what it made you know and that's like but that's a boon yeah yes it's not a billion dollars but it is that's a crazy amount of money for a movie as weird and as high concept as is something like yeah. this. But nobody was really saying like nope. Fifty yeah. million dollars opening week. Like that was not the selling Yeah, that's not point. the conversation. Yeah. And so maybe it's just two different schools of thought. It's just one is like blockbuster, it's gotta be about the yeah. the money because it's not about the quality. And everything else is like if it if it gets accolades and makes ninety million dollars, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think that's okay, too, because there's a place for everything. Now, I think Scorsese's like, what if the blockbuster, not just blockbuster, but the huge tentpole IP stuff overtakes that other stuff? But I don't think that's really, I think it's going the opposite way, honestly. Well, not even that. I'm like, I feel like it has absolutely overtaken. I mean, like, you know, like it's like tentpole things are tentpole. They're the biggest thing in the year. But it's like. It's like, um, I'm trying to think of a good metaphor in my head here, but like, it's like the big wave has gone by and then you're getting smaller waves that are like, are just as fun to ride surfing sure. metaphor. Boom. Dude. Um, yes. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, like everyone's going to go see multiverse of madness. Sure. But all of the, and, but you know, like how many tent poles really are we even talking about? in a given year these days like i mean this year too like i mean five like, or six yeah i mean maybe even, five yeah, yeah like and i don't even know that i put top gun in that like no that was an anomaly yeah multiverse was huge thor was okay thor was huge. i feel like thor was last year already it's so bizarre that that came out this I know. Year. and that came out after multiverse of madness <laughs> yeah but um, um, we also have black panther black adam and avatar coming yeah which Avatar, like... Kind of on both ends, weirdly. Yeah. Um, Literally, though. Like, it's it's not a... It's not really a blockbuster. Like, it kind of is, but also, like... Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, so here we, we got Top Gun. I'm reading Top uh, Domestic Box Office for 2022 thus far. Okay, okay. Uh, number one is Top Gun. 
Number two is Doctor Strange. Number three is Jurassic World Dominion. Good fucking Lord. Then the Batman, Minions, Rise of Gru. Nice. Thor, Love and Thunder. Spider-Man, No Way Home. And then like, then I'm like, and that's seven. And like yeah. the last two, I'm like, I don't even know if those count as tent poles. And No Way Home was like. The no Way Home before. was a tent pole from last year. Yeah. yeah. This is all like yeah. rollover. Um, Sonic, I'm like, kind eh, of, I guess. Um, yeah. But Sonic's at 190 million. Like. Yeah. And that's d- domestic, not worldly, but like worldly, uh, <laughs> global. But like, that's the thing is like, we're getting four or five, we'll say max eight tentpole things a year. Mm-hmm. And that's less than one a month. That's one yeah. every couple months. And mm-hmm. something else has got to come in there. Exactly. So it's like the big waves that come every now and then. And then all the waves in between the big waves, you're like, well, I'm going to ride something to shore. Exactly. People aren't just not going to go see movies. Like, it's yeah. a thing now, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I get where Marty's coming from, to bring it back. I get yeah. it. I understand the fear. But at the same time, the box office is the only reason that studios are even here. Yeah. If it didn't make money, it's, it's not It's the easiest industry. way to sell your next movie to grow as a filmmaker, to say, this was a box office success. Exactly. And even though these movies exist, A24, Neon, Annapurna, like they're mm-hmm. plan B, like there are plenty of studios who will fund your passion yeah. project. I mean, let's throw Netflix and Prime into the mix and Hulu. Mm-hmm. They're giving people money to make whatever the hell they want to make. Yeah. And Scorsese's been on the, the receiving end of this. He got to make a three and a half hour long project <laughs> that he just wanted to Irishman, make. yeah. You know? And it's like, it. it's so, it, it's... I understand. I get it, but at the same time, it's that's not the that's not the only part of the industry. Yeah, you know. So yeah, there's there's degrees to which box office numbers have to be. You have to look at them through specific lenses. Exactly. Because exactly. if all you're looking at is the tentpole stuff, then everything's going to be a shitty box office. Exactly. You know, like, no, I'm not, oh, this only made $10 million. Well, you know, Come every on. movie is supposed to make $700 million. So, right. like, why would I go see a movie that's made 10? Right. Um, so, I want to, I, I have an interesting thing here um, of Martin Scorsese's top 10 box office releases. Is number one Wolf of Wall Street? Uh, spoilers, but yes. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting because the list does not go in the order that you would think. Um, so number one is Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, number two, what I won't do this for all of them, but what would you imagine number two is? I feel like number two was either The Departed or Shutter Island. There you go. Shutter Island, number two. All right. Uh, and number three, The Departed. So I guess <laughs> whatever. Uh, but number four, The Aviator, which like okay. not his strongest. No, that's Leo uh, though. So That's Leo. Yeah. Number five, Gangs of New York. I mean, they're all Leo, you know, like sure. Okay. Everyone I've said true. thus far is Leo. <laughs> Wolf of Wall Leo. Street, Shutter Island, <laughs> Departed, uh, <laughs> Aviator, Gangs of New York. Um, yeah, you're right. Cape Fear, number six. Really? Mm-hmm. Hugo, number seven. Okay. Casino, Color of Money, Goodfellas. But like, interesting. That is not at all the order of Martin Scorsese's greatest films. It's like opposite order. <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, I, it's good. But like, I don't know. It's putting... exact opposite. But like, yeah, Goodfellas belongs much higher on that list. Yeah, uh, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull. Like, there's yeah. a, a lot that aren't on that list that should yeah. be. Interesting. I mean, but again, once he started going more mainstream Hollywood, which I would call Wolf and Shutter Island more mainstream for sure. Yeah. And I don't think he did that consciously, but... Departed too, I think, yeah. The Departed for sure. Um, there's a clear there's a clear shift there. I mean, Raging Bull is not an easy watch. Like, yeah. It's not a fun watch either. Cape Fear really isn't either, so... Yeah. Kings um, of New York isn't either. <laughs> same, and Taxi Driver. He makes some yeah. rough movies. Um interesting but like yeah like you can't that's you can't judge a filmmaker by their box office success no no or else which james cameron is, is the getting. best filmmaker yeah. of all time yeah which 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 he's up there up but, there but yeah but like not you know <laughs> yeah. um crazy crazy indeed all right. all right well there it is guys nice 
good stuff. Marvel and Scorsese. Go hand yeah. in hand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Uh, shall we dive right into these wrecks here? Let's do it. Um, so this was yours. This, this was, was mine. Yeah, because um, I watched Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone the other day. Oh, God. Um, and I started, I you know, I searched for it on Apple and it came up. It was like, oh, it's on Peacock. And I was like, okay. And like five minutes in, I go, what is this scene? What's going on here? Yeah. And there are additional scenes added into this. And I'm like, I've seen Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone probably 20 times. You know what I mean? Like as soon as something's different from what I've seen over and over again, I'm like, what's happening? Now, did it say like director's cut or extended? No, nope. Really? It just played? Just completely blank. Yeah. And I don't know that it's necessarily a cut. There's just like additional scenes added in and that is that is kind of peacock's jam they like their whole thing with the office is there's so many extended episodes of the office there's extended episodes of like parks and rec and all their like they're big on like we're giving you more than just your regular whatever not a Uh, bad not a bad plan so in that spirit um i was thinking we should make recommendations of movies that we would love to see an extended cut to yes there's a lot there's a lot um it was a weird concept it was a weird like what do i call is it like something that's short that i wish was longer mm-hmm. um i went through a couple that i was like this was short but it was also very tight so i don't want to just like throw additional stuff in there ah i get you i you get know? you i'm this like yeah i don't gone- know if the- yeah Many different directions. Um, so why don't we start with yours, Josh? Okay, you're going to love mine because we've talked about this movie before. I do, before I say this, I want to say that I was going to say the movie Bone Tomahawk, which if anybody's mm-hmm. seen that, you'll understand what I'm saying <laughs> because the ending kind of, it stops abruptly and I've heard Patrick Wilson be like, if we could have just finished the script. Yeah. Incredible movie. Not the movie I'm going to recommend. I'm going to go into the horror genre again, but... It's going to be more of a sci-fi thing. Um, okay. Because it's Event Horizon. It has mm. to be Event Horizon. Not only Ooh, because this that's movie... that's a really good one. Well, it, not only because this movie is short, which feels weird, because this feels like it should have been like two and a half hours long. Yeah. Which originally, it was like three and a half hours long. Because uh, the story behind this film is Paul W.S. Anderson, who I've talked a lot of smack about... <laughs> But Event Horizon is a is a national treasure. Um, he was creating this movie for Paramount at the same time that Jim Cameron was making Titanic, and famously, Titanic was way over budget and over schedule. So mm-hmm. it was so basically they had to cut budget and timing from Event Horizon to be like we got to give it to this movie that's way more yeah. will likely to make us money, um, and it did. James um, Cameron, man, my God. But I like this. You watch this movie, and it's very clearly missing things. Like it's very clearly mm-hmm. shortened. The entire like, let me let me go over what it's about. Basically, it's about this sh- ship that was created by Sam Neill's character that is supposed to be able to travel through space and time, mostly space, but also yeah. dimensions and time and stuff like that. It's supposed to be able to cross from one end of the galaxy to the other. And on their like initial run, it just disappears. And goes to somewhere that they're not sure about. Then it comes back and they have to go and investigate the ship. Him, Lawrence Fishburne, a bunch of people. Um, It is a ridiculous movie. But it is a movie that has so much potential to Mm -hmm. it. That I... I just want to see more. I want to see more of the other dimension. I want to see, I'm not going to get into what that dimension is. I want to see more of the character (laughs) development because things just kind of happen and you're like, yeah, okay. But like, there seems like there's some stuff cut out of the middle of what's happening in this plot here. Um, And I just know that there's more like they they cut out, I think like 45 minutes of this movie to make it like fit into this slot. And I'm just like, dude, show me the director's cut. And there's nothing, there's no... Not that I know of. I don't think there is one. I don't think, like, they they let you do Nothing filmed, yeah. That's really good. It would have been perfect. It's the perfect movie for it. The fact that it was supposed to be planned out to this long epic and got, like, shut down to, like, uh, an hour 40 is a travesty. Um, And it's streaming on Paramount Plus right now. And I think Tubi 
or one of the free Pluto, maybe. Um, yeah. So check it out. It's absolutely absurd. It's ridiculous. It is disgusting. But it is. I love this movie. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's so absurd. I have to revisit that. I haven't watched that movie in so long. But oh I just God. remember staring at me like, I don't <laughs> know what's happening. I love it. What is happening? Uh, it's, it is a true. You just have to watch this movie at least one time. You know, this so. is an interesting um, tie into our conversation from last week about AI. Mm. Because in a few years, theoretically, you could say, like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to add in this extra 45 minutes from this script that got cut and just oh deep fake the whole damn thing. Oh my God. That's a really oh weird my thing God. to unpack. We're not that far out from that. It's not, no, I'm like, I like, you know. Like, I don't know how to do it, but I know well, what tools you would, like, need to do it, and there's nothing insane. You, have you heard of, you know, the Dolly Mini AI generating yeah. machine? I mean, that's just what that is. You can type any yeah. number of words in there in any order, and it will spit out an image of that. Like, well, sometimes and the thing, too, is, like, you know, with, with a movie like this, it's, like, you can feed it two hours of content to learn off of. Yes. You know, say like, yeah, make it look like this. And yes, you know, tweak here and there. It's not eh. deep fake Lawrence Fishburne, deep fake his <laughs> voice from, uh, was that like early 2000s, that movie? I think late nine. Yeah, yeah, late 90s. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Okay. That's a weird thing to unpack. I have to if think we get that. to that point, I know what I just want to like do mind. that now. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> let me cut up this movie and like, I know. Holy crap. So, Event Horizon is my choice yes. for this week. Had to do it. What is your recommendation? Willis? So mine goes back a little while. I'm not sure, Ooh. but this might be one of the oldest movies I've ever recommended. Oh, wow. Um, it's not that old. Like, I see, well, I guess it is that old now, but um, precursor, precursor, precursor. My recommendation for this week is a movie from 1979 called The Warriors. Oh, good choice. I haven't seen the this Warriors in a long time. The Warriors is an excellent movie. Uh, it is classic 70s, like... With hints of like, yep, here come the 80s in there. Yeah. Basically follows a gang of street, a street gang called the Warriors um, as they attempt to make it from the Bronx back to their home turf on Coney Island, which is like 28 miles. There is a race in New York City where you can do the Warrior race. Uh, like if like a mar- it's like a marathon plus. Mm-hmm. This movie is an hour and a half long. It is. It feels pretty complete, but I'm like. There is so much more story that could be added to this. There is more. wild amounts of space for more gangs, more like, you know, there's like they're in the Bronx and they're in like Manhattan. And then like they kind of just like move pretty quick through this, this long trail. And I'm like, you yeah. could take a you could, Yeah, you could add half an hour to this movie without breaking a sweat. You could yeah. add 45 minutes to this movie without breaking a sweat. Yeah. Um, and I would love to see it. Yes. You know, like, <laughs> let me just, let me see like Swan and Ajax, like running down the street, you know? Yes. Um, oh, that is good. That's like, I almost thought a point break, but I've already uh, like recommended that <laughs> yeah. movie. But I'm like, it's one of those movies where like, I just want to be with these people more. Yeah. You know, there's so much like just add scenes, you know, just yeah. like, let's give us more. That's Well, and with one. Warriors, I'm like, I don't want like a Warrior sequel. I just wanted more from that trip. I want to see them like struggle against more. And I thought, you know, that, uh, give me the director's cut of the Warriors. Where's that extended cut? Uh, it's on Paramount plus. Oh, guys go to Paramount plus double feature warriors and event horizon and and just visualize what else could be there. (laughs) That's one of our more intense double features. I think that's crazy. Um, That's absolutely insane. All right, let's uh, let's bring it home, Josh. Uh, where can people <laughs> find you on the internet? Oh my God, people can find me on the internet on Twitter at Josh Fuller thirty three. Fuller is spelled with no e. You can also find me on both Instagram and Letterboxed at Josh J Fuller. And where can people find you, Willis? So you can find me on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Letterboxd at Willis Film. And if you want to find the pod, you can find us on Instagram at Pixel Splitters. You can find us on Twitter at Pixel Split Pod. And you can find us on Letterboxd at Pixel Splitters. 
uh, where you can see all of our recommendations, including Event Horizon and The Warriors. Let's Excellent. go. We did it. Excellent. <laughs> um, all right. All right. Well, there we go. Uh, there nice, we have it. Eh, kind of quick episode for you today. Yeah. I'm going to just keep thinking about that like AI thing, man. Dude. That like makes me want to like start learning about AI just so I can do that in like five years. I mean, it's the software. I would go bonkers with it. The thing is like it's becoming so accessible yeah. that in three years, like yeah. this is feasible, which is scary. <laughs> Crazy. All uh, right. All right. Let's, uh, let's sleep on that. Yes. Yeah. Despair. Yes. Uh, cool all right josh i will uh i will talk to you next week sounds good man end of pod end of pod